quack, 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 quack. The Mighty Ducks, the show where we look back at the 1992 Disney Hockey Classic, The Mighty Ducks, five minutes at a time, and we are at the credits, and I have a very special guest on the line to talk about the music of this movie, and that is the composer of this film, David Newman. David, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing great, and I'm glad you could take time to actually do the show with me. Sure, glad to. Yes. So, well, before we get into this film, I, I was taking my notes down off of Wikipedia, not going to lie, and a couple of things came out. And first, I want to discuss the beginning of your career here and working with Tim Burton on Frank and Weenie. How was it to work with Tim Burton on a movie like that? Uh, I don't know. It was so long ago, and, and all of us were, um, you know, just sort of starting out. Um, it, was, it was great in a way because we got to use... Um, a big orchestra and uh it wasn't a, you know it wasn't a, a feature length film um but i don't think anyone had really come into their own yet in terms of their process so um it was it was over it, it, I, I just remember it being a whirlwind you know it was we wrote and i was writing with somebody else at the time we wrote like within a week or two and then we recorded and that was sort of the the end of it we did go to the dub a little bit but the whole thing just kind of whizzed by wow that, that that's pretty cool actually. but it's always good to have something like that at the beginning because working with tim burton at the beginning it's got to be pretty big now looking back at your career yeah i just think all of us you know things went sort of in a in a different direction uh you know in in terms of of you know his aesthetic and my aesthetic and and um so but you know there was a it's i've been doing this a pretty long time so um i i i i did this kind of pre all the technology that right. we all use now. Um, it's, it's just like a different world. And and the way films were scored in the 80s and 90s and first half of 2000 are very, very different than the way films are scored now. Well, how do you mean? Explain that to the audience so people well, don't really know. It, you, if you're at all a fan of film music history, um, it's really an interesting history because, and, and not not to go into great detail, but it's a it's a history of technological and artistic uh, disruptions. But for most of film music history, which basically started in 1930, 1933, I think King Kong, you could say, was the first real score, which was an original score, um, which was very unusual at the time. Um, People were using um, motives and melodies and themes to 
comment on the narrative, uh, you know, or the action, or what, d depending on the type of, of genre. And I think we're we're at a at a spot now where the zeitgeist is sort of the opposite of that. Is that filmmakers don't want the music to do too much. They don't want it to really comment on something specific. They prefer that it's sort of a general comment. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's action, it's action, and if it's love, it's love. If it's atmosphere, if it's sound effects, yeah, of course you 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 use those timbres and textures. You know, meaning who's who's playing and what kind of electronic sounds you might use and whatever. But you're not like commenting. You're not doing like say a film like Alfred Newman, my dad would have done, like for Weathering Heights or John Williams in Star Wars, which is filled with little themes, which you, you call motives, that describe certain things. Even something as um, amorphous as the sense of the force, which you could say is the the uh, most animated, the, 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 the most used motive in the Star Wars series is that theme for the force. Um, that's just not the way films are done now. That the filmmakers want, or purport to want an audience to be able to decide kind of for themselves which way it's going and not have the music uh, lead them. It, 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 it's it's a kind of weird in a way, it's very abstract, like, because music is always abstract. It doesn't, it doesn't, ha it has a sort of uh, kind of nonverbal abstract story uh, quality, which is a whole nother discussion. But I think nowadays it's very different than in the last 10 or 15 years. That's a good point, because I was just thinking, like, the last time I really got into a score that I liked was maybe the first Avengers movie, and I just don't get into scores as much as I did back in the uh, 90s. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it also, it, it, it's also, um, you know, soundtrack collectors listen to the music without the movie, but you, you have to remember that the music's written for the movie, so the context is the movie. So when the music's, you, you know, when there's places in the movie that the music can be thematic and like hummable, you know, um, it works much better without the movie. If it's not, it doesn't work as well without the movie. So yeah, it's, like, a, it's a different kind of soundtrack, uh, soundtrack kind of collecting experience. It's sort of like a guy who used the example like Jurassic Park. You can hum that music without the movie and that kind of thing. Because yeah, like Star know, Wars, like E.T. Exactly. I, I mean, all these movies up until about... There was a, there was, I think it when the uh, the economic crash, the 2007-2008 happened, I think it it really shook up the film industry in a lot of ways. Um, but I think post-2008, it's just different. M movies are different, <clears throat> and then everything, everything else involved in movies just has to be different because that's what it's... The whole reason there's music in a movie is to help tell the story. Otherwise, what's the point of putting the music in? It's not to make a nice melody or, or fundamentally, it's to make the story more, uh, to deepen the story or to help tell the story or you know whatever it, it is. It's, it, it, its function isn't to play well by itself. It's to help the movie. You know, I'm, it's just, I'm, just by coincidence that you know, it, certain kinds of movies call for these themes, these big grand themes that do work okay without the movie. But that's only just a coincidence, really. It's funny that you say that because we're recording this before all the episodes of D5 are airing. 
And I actually have said this. We've had conversations about this with guests in My Mighty Ducks, where it feels like the music is helping tell the story of the movie. And mm-hmm. we've talked about that many times because we're sitting there breaking this down five minutes at a time. And I actually wrote it in my notes here. And one of the things I brought up was it felt like the first time you really hear the score pick up like a cheery scene was when we had Gordon on the ice talk, thinking of his dad and thinking of the coaching. And you can hear almost like the duck scene starting in the background, like, ooh, I have an idea. And that's the storytelling. And it's like that throughout the movie. And I appreciate little things like that. So it's funny you're talking about this because we've been talking about this the whole yeah. movie. <laughs> so I yeah, guess. I mean, well, obviously, Mighty Ducks. The first I only did the first one. What was the date? Is it eighty? What's the date of the the, the first Mighty Ducks release? Ninety-two. Ninety-two. Yes. Yeah. So it's still it's still part of that seventies eighties. Um, John Williams, you know, it, it, Star Wars kind of really revolutionized. Um, uh, film scoring. It was a, it was another uh, historical disruption, like um, you know, like Mancini was at the end of the '50s when the studios broke up, and then all the film scores started becoming really you know they're it's Mancini and John Barry, and they're not using giant orchestras, and it's not so much the swashbuckling fun kind of thing. It's more jazzy and pop, a lot more pop music and everything. And then John Williams does Star Wars, and of course. It's just an absolute revolution. It just takes a 180, and now everyone's using huge orchestras, writing big, you know, big themes. And and um, I remember I was a violinist uh, before I started conducting, uh, before I started writing, and I I played on the original Star Trek movie that wow. Goldsmith did, and we went in and recorded the score, and it was just beautiful. But it was more like a, a, a 60s Goldsmith score. It was. It was more modernist. It was um, more ethereal. It was there was no big theme or anything, you know. And it just they argued and argued and argued. So he went back and rewrote the, the score, and he came in with that, you know, da 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 da. That's the first thing he played. That's what they wanted. That's that's what this because of Star Wars. That's what people needed to do, wanted to hear. And so then all these movies, you know, so. Mighty Ducks is in the in that era, so we from the one that I did that that was the the main thing of course is that mighty Mighty Ducks theme and 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 that like that montage scene near the near the the, the last third of the movie um uh you know I dressed it up you dress it up in different ways you do your composer thing where you vary it but essentially it's a theme that's played over and over again in very various ways. And that very much is what that movie was about, and that's the culture that it that it came from. But but honestly, the movie called for it. You know, a lot of the movie there there aren't movies made like this like that really anymore. That that kind of call for that sort of heroic big, even with a little you know a kid's team that it that it needs to have that sort of grand heroic angsty s- stuff in it. Yeah, so. I, I agree with you. Well, I, I was going to say, are you a hockey fan going into this movie? Because it felt like someone that knew the sport. Are you that person no. or no? No, but I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. Okay. I was a huge baseball and still am fan and um, and um, uh, basketball. And I played through high school 
I played sports all my all my life, and I, I feel like conducting is kind of a sport. I do a lot of conducting. <clears throat> the way I approach it is, um, it's a very physical activity and animal activity, like all sports are. So I didn't know hockey, but I I really related to that that the the age group and the whole zeitgeist of a team and coming together and and um, failing and and just keep going and then you know, having your successes and, 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 but most of all, the feeling of bonding that you get in a team sport and orchestras are very, very much like, um, uh, a sports team. Um, it, it, they are very difficult to, to, to manage, especially professional orchestra. I played orchestras all my life and there's a very much of a camaraderie feeling and everyone has their their own thing that they, you know, the woodwinds do this, the violins do this, the brass does that, the percussion does that. They're, they're all kind of stereotypes within each of these groups. And yet everyone comes together and when it works, it's just magical. And I thought that's sort of what, what the feeling I had with Mighty Ducks is it just the coming together and the magic of doing stuff together that you can't do just by yourself. I actually agree with you on that because I this is the kind of music you actually still to this day I go to minor league hockey games here in Milwaukee and they uh-huh. still play this music like during like the third period of games especially if they're behind and they want to get the crowd riled up they'll play this they'll play <laughs> no, like miracle great. they'll play these music and it gets the crowd going and it's great. I mean it it is kind of jingoistic in a way. I mean it, it, you know like the Raiders, you know like the Raiders march in 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 um the first Raiders, well all the Raiders movie particularly the first one. Um uh John Williams does this thing. We we did this sort of on the, the Mighty Ducks where you just you kind of throw little hints of the theme and then you wait till the moment in the third act till you kind of play the whole theme. And it gets bigger and bigger and, and more heroic as the film goes on. So it, it it's sort of like that in, in my decks. I don't uh, John Williams does that in a lot of films. It's really interesting to look at how he um, how he lays out his themes. So like when they when they fully arrive, and and then you can you can kind of uh, unpack it and see. Oh yeah, that sort of makes sense to not to not have that statement until a certain point. But I, I really thought the the real main point where we were going was the montage in the third. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. And it's it's very synced to the to the. There's a big hit when they you know high five the coaches and right. keep winning and 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 it it modulates and it it it, it just it gets bigger and bigger. It it, it builds. So I I I, I think. The whole movie was sort of going musically towards towards that, as the film was. It's where they come together, you know. So I have a question for you because I don't know if you know this answer or someone. Why was there never a soundtrack for this movie? Like there was never oh. a big like the Mighty Ducks soundtrack. Like D two had that. I'm not quite sure why the first movie didn't have that. Yeah. You know, um, I I don't know. Um, was there really no release for the first movie? No. The, yeah. Wasn't. I mean, there's been subsequent releases, right? Um, the only thing that they ever did with the music from the first movie, they put it as a combination thing with the third. They never actually made a first movie release of soundtrack ever. Mm, and I've looked mm. it up. I wanted to use it for this, and I could never find one. 
So I never oh. understood why well, that I, happened. I have all I have all the music. Didn't I send you all the music? No, you have not. Oh, I I, I have it all. So I I don't know. You know, it, they you they made soundtracks of like everything. I know it's weird. But but, but you know. Remember, they're just making. Everyone's making so many movies. I don't think anyone thought this was going to be as successful as it was. I know it was a, it was a pet project of Michael Eisner at the time, and so I, it is weird there wasn't a soundtrack. Um, but I can't tell you why because it was. It's kind of you know not every film did get a soundtrack. I mean, eventually now when you you know most films you can get a soundtrack either. It's been re-released, or they they released something that's never been released before. Right. I've had tens and 20, 20 of these scores that weren't soundtracks that were released at a later at a, a later date. But I don't remember. Was there not even a soundtrack with like songs on it? No, they didn't do anything for this particular movie. What they ended up doing was, I, like you said, I don't think they expected this to be so popular. I don't yeah. think they expected it because it felt like, to me, like I watched it and I remember I fell in love with it and then they made the sequel and the yeah. sequel had a score soundtrack. And I remember yeah. like, okay, there's a sequel. Sound I'm going to go back and find the first one. There's yeah. no soundtrack. Like, Why is there no soundtrack for this first movie? And then when the third movie came out, they released like a mixed album, but mostly it was the three and like the actual like songs from the first one, no score. So I'm like, where's yeah. the score from the first movie? Like I yeah. love the score from the first movie. So yeah. I'm that yeah, geek that loves that stuff. There's all there, there's lots of politics. Like I, I didn't end up doing the other ones, and I really can't remember why. Because you would think they only made the sequels because the first one was popular, right? So I don't know what happened. Why I didn't get hired again, or maybe I couldn't do it or something. But there might have been some politics going on too. Um, it, as you know, it's a very weird business, and it can be a very political um, business as well, and, and and sometimes to the negative. So I didn't realize there wasn't a Mighty Ducks CD. I don't know why there shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna look into that. I think. Yeah, because at the time, '92 is when Disney did like Newsies, and this is during the Disney Renaissance in the animated uh, side. So yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Like it was a I great time. I, I, I haven't even thought. I didn't even know this till you told me because I thought, didn't, didn't I thought somebody just released a Mighty Ducks? Have they done a Blu-ray of of all of? How many are there? Three. Of, so have they done a Blu-ray of the three of three of them? It looks like I'm, I'm looking it up right now. They did Blu-ray compilation in 2017. Yeah, I thought they did a somebody like Verez or Lala or one of those labels did a or maybe um, Entrada did a uh, maybe not. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess you'd, you'd, you'd be able to find it if somebody did it. So I guess nobody did. Yeah, I'm a big <laughs> like score on Spotify person, and I can find the other movies. Can't find this one. So yeah, yeah. Maybe there wasn't enough music. Maybe there wasn't that much music in it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, sorry, so. I don't even mean to bring this up this way. I was just curious. No, no. no. Okay, it's, it's interesting. I I really don't know the answer. It, it doesn't seem to make sense. That, that's my best answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. I want to bring up a couple of the movies I had on here. You worked on a, a couple of unappreciated Disney movies. One of them is The Brave Little Toaster, which is so yeah. unappreciated. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Does <laughs> they get the love it deserves? <laughs> and I, I think there's a real cult following for um, Brave Little Toaster. Whenever I bring it up, if I go and talk, uh, you know, I live in Los Angeles. So I go to at USC and 
UCLA and then sometimes in New York and NYU and um, Berkeley and, you know, people all, they all know Brave Little Toaster. A lot of them watched it when they were kids. Um, right. th that movie and Matilda uh, also, um, a lot of people watched when they were, you know, young people and, and, and remember that movie, those movies pretty fondly. And, you know, Brave Little Toaster does have a, a sound, they, those both have soundtracks. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And, and of course, DuckTales. My favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time. You were yeah. part of the movie. I love that movie so much. Yeah. I didn't even realize Duck you were Tales. on it until I did my research. I'm like, whoa, you're on DuckTales. <laughs> I, I loved working on that. And that was a weird experience because no one said anything to me. I just, that, that score is just what I wanted to do. I never got any notes. I never, that just, that's just was... I think they just made they wanted to make that movie as quickly and cheaply as possible. Right? That was before their all their, you know, animation turnover, you know, where they yes. really got going with the animation. This is the first that was like one. the old Disney, yeah. right? Yeah. Kind of. This is the yeah. first like um straight to VHS. I think this is the first time they did one of these for the Disney afternoon. Yeah. And it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it was it, it it there was just no supervision of anything. <laughs> it, it was just awesome. It, it, like, uh, and there's a whole lot of music in that movie. I it think really there's over an hour of music. Yeah, that whole movie so, is beginning to end. Amazing score. Like, I love that movie so much because yeah, it's yeah. an adventure, and it feels like yeah. an adventure when you're watching it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love. I love that. I love that score. Yeah. There's one like. There was one like ten minute cue near the end. Remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I will out there a movie that i always bring up to people and they look at me like i'm crazy and then they watch it and they're like oh that's amazing and it's anastasia yeah i love anastasia Anastasia's a terrific a, a terrific movie again it's kind of the it's sort of the end of an era you know i mean it's it really after that everything was cgi um and that's that just was an old traditionally hand-drawn um animated uh feature but um, I, I just I had a lovely time with those guys. Um, it was it was it was great. That that was a lot of work. That was a lot of um, back and forth. That yeah, that's that's a great one though. I I appreciate that one because it's, it feels like a Disney movie, but it's not. Yeah. You know, it's it's such a great great movie, and it there, there's a lot of sophisticated it. nuance nuances in that movie, mm -hmm. um, in the story and in the performances. Um, so yeah, it it it. It's it's more than I guess it looks on the surface. Exactly. When you go deeper into a movie like that, it's like, wow, you have to appreciate the person behind you, do the music behind this one, because it's really, really, really telling. Especially when you have to go from these dark, dark scenes to that yeah. we have to have them walking around, being cheerful in like yeah. a second. You have to jump around, and it's really well done. I have yeah. to give Colin oh, compliments to you for that one. I appreciate it. And I know he's Academy Award nominated, so yeah, yeah. you deserved yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And then one last thing, the you actually got an award for the Richard Kirk Award, giving the composer who made significant contributions to film and television music. What was the? Why did it feel to be honored an award like that for you? Um, I you know I these things are kind of silly in a way. Um, it, if you if you're around long enough, you're gonna get awards like that from those performing rights organizations. So yeah, it's 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 nice and you're around your colleagues and you can say, you know, you can prepare something and say something and they make a nice video with the 
directors that you worked with and people say really nice things about you and everything. But, you know, I don't know. The, the, the most fun thing about film scoring is the actual doing it mm-hmm. uh, with all the people. And as chaotic as it is, and it's very chaotic, um, there's just when it when it works and you're involved in a movie and you're with everyone else, it's not just you. It's a team of people. And the movie works. There's just nothing like it. it. It's it's just, it doesn't happen often enough, but it happens enough where you just want to keep doing it. Fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll ask this. I don't even have this in my notes. I'll ask this real fast. For you, I just said DuckTales was extremely fun because you weren't getting notes. But what was the most fun film you worked on? Um. Well, I loved all the DeVito films that I did. Um. I loved working on Serenity with uh, Josh Whedon. I, I, I've just done two films with uh, Malcolm Lee, um, uh, Girls Trip and uh, Night School, which I had a great time on. I don't know. It's hard for me to pick. Um, it's hard for me to pick uh, a favorite. I do love Brave Little Toaster still. We had a, we had a little thing where we wa- a bunch of us watched it in, in Los Angeles a, a few months back and, I think it really holds up and it was a wonderful experience. I love, I loved working on galaxy quest with Dean Pariseau. I love that movie. That score was really fun to do. So, you know, I'm sure I'm missing some, but, um, and I love doing the mighty ducks. I love doing, I did a lot of films with Steve Herrick right. who directed mighty ducks. Um, you know, Bill and Ted and, um, and, and then some, some less, uh, movies that are not as, as well known that were, were really terrific movies that he, that he did. Uh, Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, is one that comes to mind, uh, which probably not a lot of people have seen. It's really good, um, and uh, and and then life or something like it that Angelina Jolie is in um, is another sort of obscure Steve Herrick movie that I did the score for, which I really like. Um, you know, it's a lot. I, I've done a lot of scores, so it's it's just sort of hard to Fair it's enough. hard to choose anything that stands out i think just what stands out is is um you know the people that you work with that are that are good artists and good to work with is is what's so gratifying about the entire process fair enough well what do you have going on for you right now like anything promote you want to promote for people to hear uh well i'm doing um the first season of the uh, green eggs and ham netflix show which is a actual 2d hand hand, well 2d animated series that is just a fantastic it's ellen degeneres's production company i'm using a full orchestra there's 13 episodes it comes out uh this fall or i think around thanksgiving and i'm um i'm working also on the spielberg west side story movie oh okay uh, oh yeah my <laughs> there's a team of us that are that are working um you know i'm doing some of the arranging and some of the conducting and um so I'm I'll I'll be working on that probably for the better part of this year for the mo- most of the rest of this year as well. Wow, so, so. he's got my attention. West Side Story, my favorite musical of all time. So yeah, that, that movie actually I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I'm a little worried about the remake. Yeah. So tell me why, uh, why is the remake I'm, a good idea? <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear you. I I'm I'm it's not something people are are unaware of. So, but it it's gonna be I think really terrific. Okay, so I, I'll take so. your word for it, and I will end up seeing it when it comes out, because I'll, I'll have to, i have to see it. Like, oh, no. I'm worried going in, you know, I'm just being honest. 
you know? Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Of course. As a diehard, I'm a musical <laughs> person. I'm a musical fan, and that's my all-time favorite movie. So I I will be worried going in yeah, yeah. to see it. Much like The Lion King coming out this summer. I'm terrified because yeah. it's my favorite animated yeah. movie of all time, but I'll still yeah. go see it because it's The Lion King. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's the same yeah. mentality for me. All right. Did you ever see the show? Did you ever see the Broadway show, The Lion, the Lion King? Did you ever yes, go to that? Yes, I did. I did see it on Broadway in high school. It was amazing. Absolutely yeah, so amazing. Yeah, that worked, right? Yes, yeah, it, it'll, it'll work. Yeah. I'm sure. It'll work. I, I'll see it. Like I said, I'm, my, my son's looking forward to seeing it, so we'll see it. <laughs> All right. On that note, David, where can people reach out to you online if possible? Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, uh my website is davidlewisnewman.com. I believe that's what it is. Um, but I, I, I check I check Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram pretty regularly. Cool. So I can leave a message on 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 any of those, and and I will answer it most likely. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, David, so much for taking time out. This is a lot of fun and actually very educational for me. So thank you so oh, much. I, I had a great time too. That is it. Um, that was David Newman, an amazing guest. I really appreciated him taking his time. And guess what, everybody? We're done with season one of Deep. And guess what, everybody? We are done with D5, the Mighty Ducks. This is it. Um, thank you so much to everybody who came on to the first season. Of Take a break. We'll be back um, next year to talk about D2, the Mighty Ducks. So keep us in your feed. Maybe I'll throw something in over the summer. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll throw something in near the end of the year. I'm not 100% sure. I got a lot of things on my plate. But if you want to find me, go over to the Blake and Sal show. Um, I'm letting you know this interview will more than likely re-air over there when we're on our summer break. I, I'm just going to be honest. But we're at the end of con season, so we got a bunch of cons going on over there. And I'm on con coverage, so go over there if you enjoy good Comic-Con coverage. And then come back and join us for more in September. Also, if everything worked out as planned, next Friday, we're going to Castle back for Season 3. So you can go and join us there. I think that's everything for the Filling the Void Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I think that's everything. Thank you so much for enjoying Season 1 of D5 The Muddy Ducks. And we'll be back next year to discuss... D2, my favorite Mighty Ducks movie. Till then, thank you all for listening. Have a good day, everybody, and have a good week. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together.